Welcome to AI FISEC Today, a podcast where we're embarking on the thrilling journey into the intersection of artificial intelligence and the physical security industry. I'm super excited for our guest today, Kagashan Dadwani. She is a industry vet and security program manager uh, that's here to talk to us today about generative AI and physical security. Woo, am I excited about this topic. Um, and uh, we'd love for the audience to meet to meet you, why don't you tell us a bit about your background uh, so they know that uh, who uh, who they're listening into? Yeah. Well, first of all, Don, thank you for inviting me. I think this is yes. such an exciting topic. I think technology is just you know we're we're at a precipice of how things are evolving, and it's something that I'm really excited about because um, over the last I'd say about seven years, I spent at Meta. Um, specifically, I, I joined with the company was Facebook as a um, as a consultant and really helped build up a lot of the functionality within the crisis management and business continuity space. So I was within their business resilience organization um, and I did a gambit of things uh, ranging from, you know, actually doing crisis response, like supporting a lot of the, the crisis response itself when things happened, um, supporting the crisis management exercises, got an opportunity to write a couple of those exercises myself, training some people, and moving into the employee resilience space, supporting the safe workplace environment, talking through risk management, threat management, insider risk, um, and then just generally being able to be a fly on the wall on those conversations, man, like you, you just learn a lot. Uh, but prior to my security experience, I actually started my career in communications, um, which is where my interest sort of like comes in when it comes into technology and a lot of what we're going to be talking about today. I spent four years as a copy editor, um, I did a lot of marketing, branding, graphic design, et cetera. And, you know, I'm, I'm currently um, with the Kindness Games and we do quite a lot of podcasts and just generally talk about leadership and kindness, not just, you know, in our environment, but also in our industry. So that's just a little bit about me and um, super excited about this topic. So straight to get started. No. Yes. Thank you for that. So. Um, as we normally do, so it's, uh, tell the audience one fun thing about you before we kick off into the topic. Yeah, man, I feel like this year has been um, it's been pivotal and fun as well. I think most of the most of folks who probably know me know I was part of the last round of layoffs that Meta had, so I've had quite a few months to just sort of. Um, you know, ruminate about certain things. And one of the things that I've always enjoyed, as you can see from my wall, is music. Um, and I, so I took uh, this as an opportunity to have a musical education. So this year, I think I've gone to about 50 or so concerts, um, which includes three festivals. Um, and I have a few more coming up um, until the end of the year. So it's just something that I, I really enjoy. And I think it's a great way to you know, keep your mind straight as you're considering different things that are happening in your life. Life goals. I think the last time I went to a concert was like last year um, and she's up to 50. So yeah, I'm okay, working so hard. Just at a music uh, at a music festival in Austin, which was just so much fun. Good, good, good. Um, okay, so that brings us to the topic. Generative AI in the physical security industry. So um, yeah, walk us through what you're thinking and, and let's go. Yeah, I think first, first, 
thing that we need to discuss is what is generative AI, right? Like you can get a lot of examples and descriptions and like what exactly it is from like a very formal perspective, but really what generative AI is, it just, it's a large language model, right? What it does is it consumes large amounts of data um, and it helps you parse and analyze that information so that you can, you as a user can then use it in a variety of different ways. Now it could be building content, it could be doing research, it could be um, creating uh, pictures or videos, et cetera. So generative AI has a lot of different functionality um, and it's evolving, right? Like chat GPT is something that's been around briefly and has really caught on um, in how people are leveraging this technology in different ways. And I think we in the security industry need to be at the forefront because we are the defenders, right? Like we're trying to protect people, assets, our technology, our reputation, et cetera. So I think when we think about being able to leverage the 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 way that these new technologies are coming up and how our adversaries might be using it, it behooves us to learn not only how this functions, but also start to use it so that we become these like native users, right? Like we don't want to be we don't want to be on the outside. We want to be on the inside and being the innovators um, and not necessarily being like, oh, like AI is going to be this crazy thing. Cat's already out of the bag. You can't mm -hmm. you can't put it back in. So when I think about generative AI within the physical security environment, I think it has a lot of different use cases. Um, and just generally what I think about is mostly crisis management, right? Like you could Think about it from a prevention standpoint, and you can think about it from a response standpoint. And again, lots of use cases, but I'm going to look at it in three different categories, people, process, and technology, right? It's the who's going to use it, how are they going to use it, and then what platforms they're going to use to be able to do this type of work. Um, so we can talk about a variety of different things and I, yeah, I can I can talk about this for hours. So I'll just maybe help you let us like guide the conversation in a way that you think might be most interesting to our audience. Well, I think I think the uh, the industry tends to lend itself to protecting people, property and assets. Right. So we start off with people. Um, I think that might be an interesting one. So, again, I, I think there's like two separate conversations, right? There's like the one of like the what security protects and then the secondary is how security protects it. Mm -hmm. And I think we don't necessarily talk about what security protects, but really talk about how security protects it and how generative AI could be leveraged, right? And so the very first step in generative AI is one, understanding the different use cases. So when we talk about a crisis response, um, and you can think about it, you know, crisis response or crisis management is seen in like these four different phases. It's mitigation, preparedness, um, response, and then recovery. And you can use generative AI in all these different areas. Um, so when you're thinking about like mitigation, you're you're sort of looking at, okay, I have a variety of different data sources that I use on a daily basis, be it CCTV or your badge readers or just information that's coming out of, uh, you know, different 
systems that you have. How exactly am I leveraging this data and, and am able to make quick decisions or understand my risk, right? Like what is my risk register? So that could be from a mitigation standpoint. Now you take that same data and you put it into preparedness and you say, well, how am I going to train my people? And generative AI is a great place to start. Right, because it's it's much harder to look at a blank page and say, oh, my God, like, what exactly am I going to train these people on right. or use some sort of technology, be it chat GPT or mm-hmm. Bard or, um, you know, you've got a variety of different solutions that are coming out through different companies and put in a scenario like, hey, here's my data. Um, I want to talk about, you know, and I live in. Houston, Texas. So hurricanes are something that I think about all the time, just as an individual. You could put in hurricanes and you can say, you know, my company has these type of assets, blah, blah, blah. You put in all the information and you can say, can you write me a scenario? And then once you get the scenario, you can then start to train your individuals um, in that way. So now you've got preparedness. Now, when you look at the response itself, one of the first things you have to do is coalesce your data and then help your leadership make decisions and help them make that decision quickly, right? So the first thing that you need to do is consume a large amount of data that's coming in from a variety of different sources, be they open source or internal. Um, And a lot of times you have individuals like your analysts consuming this information and trying to write up reports. Now, doing this in a stressful environment, you will have a degree of error Mm -hmm. and often, Um, we, instead of giving people that time to be like, Hey, like slow down, like write the report, make sure it's correct. You're sort of like, Hey, Mm -hmm. we need to, we need to get this done. Something like Jarn of AI can help you say, Hey, here's all the data, write it out in a report that is easily consumable by our leadership. Right. So that's another use case for it. And then recovery is the same thing, right? You're, you're taking all this data that you can put into your system and then say, Hey, analyze how did I respond? What was my response time? How did I share information? Was it applicable? Were we using the right sources? Do we need additional data sets, et cetera? Right. So like you can look at it in these different varieties. And I would say like, that's really sort of the using the technology. But I think one thing comes before that is guidelines, right? Like we need mm-hmm. some sort of form of governance because before you start using generative AI as a tool, one, you need to understand it, mm-hmm. right? Two, you need to use it as a user, even in your personal life. But three is like, you need to work with your cybersecurity leaders mm-hmm. and understand how is your organization going to use and leverage this technology? Because like, again, coming from a tech environment, we're thinking about like proprietary information, right? Mm-hmm. Like intellectual property is inc- incredibly important. You have to be able to classify data and say this information, public knowledge can go in there because we're already pulling it from open source. This information is company knowledge, but it is reported to governments. It can be used. This information is fully confidential because it is the way that my company makes money. It is the way that it makes revenue. And so you have to be able to do that. So governance and policies in place is one. And then the second is like acceptance from your company, right? How are you doing change management internally and doing adoption within not only your leadership, but like, but your employee population. And that comes from training, 
right? You have to have the conversations. You have to start early. You have to be able to ensure that people understand that, you know, this is to help make their jobs easier and that they're part of the conversation. So those those are just a few ways that I really think about it. Yeah, I like I like where you're going because it's it's you know start it's security people protect the people you know in all costs but don't be afraid of it and at the same time we use it to augment the one of the things that you mentioned that they use I know in like ML terms and machine learning terms is as they're developing those algorithms to augment human and this is obviously on different uh, more broader not as uh, not as deep as generative AI, but they use terms like like human in the middle uh, right. because when it's super critical, uh, let's say use case for the AI, that they put human in the middle to make those critical decisions. So the way I think about this is there's no difference with this. I mean, you 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 use it to augment work or to you know help connect the dots, like you're saying, as you maybe you're your program leader and you're trying to draft drafting different parts of um, how do I handle critical events? And it's not that I'm allowing it to make decisions for me. I'm just I'm allowing it to kind of lay the land. And then I'm looking at it from a different perspective because I have more information. And then I'm the one, the human in the middle that makes those decisions that ultimately takes the responsibility. Um, but one of the, one of the things too, that I've seen around generative AI that I found was interesting is that, when people talk about LLMs, it's usually in context to billions, if not trillions, of parameter models, like huge models that, are, that have the vastness of the internet, right? And a lot of bias comes with that. A lot of uh, hallucinations come with that. Um, but one of the things that's happened recently, and I remember this, this from IBM, is they have um, something uh, that basically is a smaller version of that LLM. It might have 100, you know, 150 million parameters. Um, but it's specific to solve a specific business problem. So meaning it's a foundation model, it's adopted. Yeah, it's got less parameters, but it's also got less hallucinations. It's got less bias and allows them to achieve governance for those reasons a lot easier and a lot more cost effectively um, than just adopting, you know, an open API or open AI API um, that some companies might be trying to do. And we had a guest on one of our earlier podcasts that talked about, um, I think it was White Castle that may have adopted an LLM and 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 paid dearly for that decision. Um, and so companies are learning from that and becoming more wary of that. So, um, yeah, that was just me kind of reflecting on what you were saying um, with when I think about man in the middle or person in the middle or human in the middle, uh, trying to act and making those decisions as opposed to in it just leaving it to the technology. Yeah. Which I don't know that they're quite there yet for some of the most critical decisions, right? Yeah, definitely. I, I think a lot of people um, have a misconception about AI right now, right? Because like, we don't truly have artificial intelligence. What we have is, you know, machine learning or deep learning, which is sort of this ability to consume the data that already exists, mm-hmm. right? It's not thinking like a human. A human can make leaps and bounds, depending on the expertise that you might have. Um, But this technology that exists, it's just consuming the information that already exists. Now that data model might be much larger than you as a human being is able to comprehend, but that's because they're simply building patterns, right? Mm -hmm. They're, They're seeing what are the patterns that they see and what are the outliers. And you as a leader have to be one comfortable with that 
technology um, and two with the best practices that you've set both for yourself and your team members mm -hmm. because ultimately once a decision have been has been made you as a leader are responsible you mm -hmm. can't blame the technology right like the technology is just it that's it's a tool that's like saying the, that's like saying the code we wrote is not our fault right <laughs> that's what? it broke it wasn't us yeah what do you mean? Yeah. I think we have to, this is one of those areas, um, very much like other parts of security where like you're constantly evolving your policy, right? Like you're constantly evaluating the technology itself and then evaluating what part of this technology do we want to use? What are we comfortable with and what can we experiment with? Because you need to be able to have you know, maybe one or two individuals in your company that are like the innovators, right? They're looking at these emerging technologies while the rest of your team is running as a, you know, well-oiled machine because when stuff hits the fan, you need people to be on their A game not and not using technology they're not, they're not necessarily the most comfortable with. Yeah. So... What are your thoughts outside of the people? I think you mentioned something about process or maybe we align with process, but what was what's the next pillar that we look at in this? So I think the next pillar is the technology, right? So we, we, we talked about the people. I think the people, when you think about it, it's what's their comfort level? Mm -hmm. How well are they trained? Are they in alignment with the decision that you've made about using mm -hmm. these these tools? Your process is how exactly are you going to be using it, your guidelines, your governance, your process, like, you know, the the sort of the SOPs you have in place, especially in alignment with the other teams, specifically your information technology team, cybersecurity team, et cetera. When you think about the technology, then I think mm -hmm. there are currently a lot of different tools that are being introduced um, by a lot of different companies. Right. And I can't even give you a full list because just in, you know, like doing a little bit of research in preparation for our conversation in like the last two months alone, I think 25 companies have already come up with additional tools that you can use uh, to be able to do this type of work. And this is just in the security industry. This is not even like the full generative AI stuff. So like there's there's just a lot coming out. Like if you look at it from like a public security perspective, a corporate security perspective, there's stuff coming out in, you know, data security. Where we have to look at things from a responsible AI perspective. I think you as a leader, especially as, you know, a chief security officer um, may need to consider what type of tools not only you plan on using because you have to put some parameters, right? Like you can go the very large model set or you can start small and start to experiment. So you as a company have to look at your tools, like what are you going to be using um, to connect all the things that already exist? And then you also have to figure out what tools your, like your third-party vendors are using. Because that is a responsibility that you as a company also have. Because mm -hmm. although you may be thinking about generative AI, have they been thinking about generative AI? And are they looking at it from a privacy perspective? So whatever tool you use will ultimately be used by people mm -hmm. and will be attached to some sort of process. And then you have to define, is that 
good enough for you? Is it too much? Or do you need something more? Right? Like you, you sort of have to start asking these questions. And part of it is having conversations. So yes, three pillars, people, process, technology, but ultimately, it always comes down to our people, because they're the users. They're the ones who are going to follow or break those guidelines. They're the ones who are going to be engaging with other people, be those people, you know, the developer of the generative AI tool, or the individuals who are third party vendors who might have started to use generative AI tools. Are they just using chat GPT? Or do they actually have something that's at an enterprise level? Do they have the right securities in place? It's like you have to start asking those questions and then say, okay, the technology that we're using is good enough or no, it's not. Um, and do you have the right experts in the room to be having certain conversations about how to implement certain technologies? Because a lot of times what I've seen happen is you will have the top leaders in the room to have certain conversations about technology and they always forget forget about the end user right? Like who's actually going to be the person that's going to be using the technology right. and are they trained well enough to be use it or can they give you additional insight on what type of technology is necessary? Yeah, that's, um, unfortunate, right? Unfortunate that it ends up that way. Um, you know, and it's interesting cause like, as you mentioned, when you're talking about technology is they choose this technology. I feel like It'll be interesting to see how security leaders, let's say CISOs, um, will balance the risk, the risk profiles with this. I mean, maybe it's one of the same when they buy, you know, IT firewall systems or something like that. They probably have to basically say, okay, we want to accept this amount of risk, uh, you know, profile. Um, here's our tolerance level. Um, you know, I mean, I don't know that that's so easily controlled in something that creates something, you know, and I and I and and I wonder how do they, to your point, with all the vendors, because all vendors are going to adopt this stuff over time. Yeah. So now evaluation of all of our vendors going, taking them through security audits isn't going to be like, hey, uh, show us your InfoSoc audit that you ran your third party from a third party last year. It's it who knows what that next level is going to be and and making sure that these vendors are doing what they need to do to protect our business and our interests and ultimately the end users right that are using the application because one could assume if we're if we're safeguarding our business we're safeguarding end users but then you have the other route and I'm just going to flip this on a whole on its head for a second then you got the other route was like well you know if our risk uh, appetite is um, would say that we you know, we're very uh, risk adverse. We don't want to deal with any risk, let's say. Then in that case, we're going to be slow to adopt tech, but slow to adopt tech is a critical, critical decision because that lack of adoption could end up in a company's um, uh, inability to innovate, inability to, you know, uh, to, to stay relevant. Um, and that could happen for all aspects, every single department. I mean, even how people write code, Right, a generative AI can support with, you know, and that's questionable. That's something we, I think we might have touched on at GSX, but um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be really interesting. I can foresee that IT and security departments are going to continue to grow. I saw something that did that cybersecurity is just going to continue to go up, um, and that uh, generative AI 
and, and other great growing AI interests are going to be a huge part of that. And so, yeah, I agree. And I think, I think there's been like, uh, again, a little bit of that fear that, you know, AI is going to replace um, our jobs and, and humans in ability to make decisions. And I, and I think that's inaccurate. I think AI is actually going to be, and I, I remember reading a report uh, maybe a couple of months back that the jobs that AI will replace will actually be replenished 2.5 times more because mm -hmm. additional skill sets are going to be necessary to manage these tools, these systems, these processes, and the people aspect of how we look at security in the future. Um, and, you know, the biggest thing is once a technology or a tool is introduced into society, you will have adversaries who will take a look at, you know, how can they leverage this tool and get the upper hand? Mm -hmm. So we just have to be like one step faster and one step ahead. Um, and I, and I think, you know, the, the cybersecurity and physical security convergence, I know we were talking about this at GSX, that it's already starting to sort of like play out in certain companies. I think it's going to become more of a norm than it is currently because they just like there's just so much intertwining happening already um that you may not have like you know a, a single individual who's doing both things but mm -hmm. they will have to be partners in how they're managing you know their their people and their technologies and the policies that are coming out with uh, because ultimately they will both collectively be responsible for training their people so that it doesn't end up being that can of worms in the future where you didn't have any appetite for risk. And so you are so far behind that you you can't compete in the environment that, that now exists. Yeah. Um, when you mentioned about people, it's going to take our jobs, it's going to create more jobs. Uh, the I think it was like one of the founders of OpenAI was commenting on a recent Joe Rogan podcast, and or at least it was recently posted. Um, so I don't know how recent it was, but... Um, you know, he talked about how, you know, there will likely be some aspect of universal income that will help people uh, that have lost their jobs immediately. Um, and there will be a stint where people will not have jobs and that, uh, but it's an opportunity for people to retrain, uh, rethink, grow again, and then survive in the new society that we will, we will see. And, uh, you know, it's not a time, I don't think this is not the best time for anyone to dwell on, you know, woe is me and, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to lose my job. It's a time to just accept it. It is yeah. what it is. This is like a technological force that's coming with or without anyone. And um, that's kind of why we're here, right? Talking about this. So it, it'll be interesting to see. One of the things I was curious about is on, on that topic of universal income is for companies that do adopt tools like generative AI that have a major uh, force of change in, uh, in a company, transformable change. I wonder then if the government is going to maybe subsidize uh, the payment for universal income into the form of taxes and businesses. So meaning the business would say, hey, you want to adopt 30% of your business around automation with generative AI? Their 30% tax rate went to 40 and, um, you know, as, a, as an exchange. Um, I don't know. So yeah, that's um, well. Currently, I, I don't know how fast governments can move yeah. to implement some of these things. But you know, I will say that um, 
just in 2022 alone, 127 countries across the world have already implemented like AI related regulations within their local laws. Um, U.S. obviously being one of them. Now, they tend to be more um, around safeguarding, right? They tend to be more around like, how are you protecting people's privacies, um, specifically around data? How are you leveraging AI? How are you building AI? How are you selling AI? Um, But I don't know if I have full faith that universal income will be something that we see at least in the next decade maybe i'm being a little pessimistic here it might take uh we might go to more uh concerts for me i feel it so kegishan we got two and a half minutes left um as we usually do in the podcast give us a sense on what you're working on that you're really excited about and tell the audience where they can find you yeah um i think as some folks who have seen uh my face fairly regularly know i am part of the kindness games um, with our incredible community. And, you know, we started in, in 2020 in the midst of the pandemic because, you know, we just wanted to heal each other with kindness. And there was just, there was too much negativity. So we're like, let's be positive instead. Um, And we've come such a long way. Um, One of the things that I'm so excited about is we just launched our kindness games book um, so please go go grab yourself one. You can purchase it on Kindle now. Um, you can find a physical copy of it, um, I believe, on October 27th. Um, and then we're also coming out with a Audible version. Super, super excited about that. So uh, please definitely grab your copy. Um, it is one of those where you laugh and cry at the same time just because there's like there's so much depth to it and there's so much humanity um and we just our group just does not take ourselves seriously we're 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 just goofballs trying to make the world a better place i guess <laughs> um but beyond that please find me on linkedin um you you know i i will randomly post about stuff but i'm i'm always very active on my messaging um don as 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 you've noticed uh but yeah that's that's about um what i'm excited about and where you can find me.